Hey everyone, and welcome to season two of the Athlete Ready Global podcast. This season is going to be straight fire. It is not going to be limited to just strength conditioning coaches and fitness professionals, but we're going to have sport coaches on here, medical doctors, financial advisors, digital marketers, you name it, we'll probably have them on. I know episodes one through 10 were a little bit more interview based, and we'll still have some interviews on here, but we're also going to have some really some classes, roundtable discussions, and just some other just very informal conversations with different professionals of different industries. So I I really believe that you're going to enjoy these next 10 episodes. Again, our goal is to help equip fitness and strength professionals in their careers in areas that promote like career longevity, financial freedom, etc. You know, it's funny, as a strength conditioning industry, we love to talk about scapular rhythms and whether or not we should have burpees in our programs and talk about the hip hinge pattern but we don't like talking about the real stuff that actually keeps us in this profession we just aren't taught it in school as you know the athlete ready global podcast is powered by the online training software athlete ready global which helps personal trainers and strength and conditioning coaches save more time coach more people build more freedom and make more money With nearly 400 business marketing and training resources and a deep exercise library and also a ton of features that allow coaches and trainers to deliver world-class programming remotely. This platform has it all. Now on to our next episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Athlete Ready Global Podcast. I am your host, Jared Saavedra. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Rachel Balkovic. Rachel is one of the hitting coaches for the New York Yankees. She's also the CEO of the Virtual Handshake Academy. In this episode, Rachel discusses her experiences from being an intern, moving across the country 10 or 12 times, moving overseas for graduate school, and kind of how all of these experiences have shaped her today. Also, how being discriminated against, how she used that for her advantage to help mentor other people who may be going through the same thing. I really believe you're going to enjoy this episode. So sit back, relax, and listen. And there we are. Rachel, thank you so much for joining the Global Podcast. I appreciate your time. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm great. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm phenomenal. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, so I told your agent that I would have you out of here in 35 minutes or less. Because uh, I'm sure you have a lot of other obligations to attend to, so I appreciate your time. Uh, for the listeners of the podcast, and we're also going to be putting this on YouTube. Can you, uh, you know, talk to talk to us about your your past, how you kind of got to where you are now, all that good stuff? Yeah, um, I'll give you the five minute version, and then I'm happy to dive in on <laughs> anything else that you want. But um, basically, I was born in Nebraska, and then pretty quickly moved to New Mexico for college, which obviously is where we met. Go Lobos. Right. Go Lobos. Uh, Yeah. And uh, very uh, long story short, after that, I did an athlete. I did an internship at Athletes Performance or Exos now um, because I'm old and you're old. So we call it Athletes (laughs) Performance. Uh Um, And then I went and did a graduate assistantship at LSU. And then I did a few uh, internships at Arizona State, I did Chicago White Sox, uh, Los Tigres de Licey in the Dominican Republic. It's a winter ball team for baseball. I did an internship for the St. Louis Cardinals. Another super long story short, they ended up hiring me back on as their minor league strength and conditioning coordinator. So for the listeners, that just means that 
Um, I was overseeing all of their minor league operations. So that's 10 strength coaches and like 250 athletes all over the country. So that was uh, quite a responsibility. That's when I was 26. Then I was um, with the Cardinals through 2015 season with the Astros for 2016, 17, 18. I quit my job at the end of 2018, went back to school in Europe. So I moved to Amsterdam in the Netherlands. I did a year of uh, courses over there. And then I did my research in Seattle at Driveline Baseball. And then while I was there, the New York Yankees just hired me as a minor league hitting coach. So I am a minor league hitting coach for the Yankees. I'm usually based in Tampa, but in this uh, new time that we're all experiencing, I am uh, not in Tampa at the moment. But yeah, so I am working for the Yankees as a minor league hitting coach. Quite the journey. Awesome. That's pretty extensive for sure. Uh, So when I reached out to you uh, a couple months ago, I had, you know, obviously wanted to get you on the podcast, talk strength, conditioning, performance, all of those things. And you said, oh, well, that sounds wonderful, uh, but I'm currently not in strength conditioning anymore. And that took that threw me off for sure, because I had no idea. I hadn't seen any announcements or anything like that. Uh, so can you tell talk to us a little bit more about that transition going from strength conditioning to more of the actual the, the coaching of the actual sport? How has that been so far? Um, the actual like the nitty gritty, like coaching, to be honest with you, it's like, it's just coaching. Mm-hmm. So I'm coaching the hinge, I'm coaching rotation, I'm coaching, you know, different planes of motion. And it's actually really similar. And also I had, um, when I was with the Astros, the reason, part of the reason why I even am a hitting coach right now is because my current boss, um, Dylan Lawson, who's the hitting coordinator for the New York Yankees, he was actually with the Astros previously, so he was a hitting coach there, just minor league hitting coach, and I was a strength coach there, and we've really hit it off, and, and we became friends, but really he mentored me in a lot of areas of hitting, and so he had a kinesiology background himself. He, he has. He has a master's degree in kinesiology, so he really believes strongly in like understanding a foundation of how the body works before you apply it to skill, um, so that was his background, and we just like not just him, all of the hitting coaches with the Astros, a lot of them had the kinesiology backgrounds. So that was kind of their departmental philosophy that they would understand the body and then apply that to the skill of, of swinging a bat. So um, no surprise that he hired me because he's like, I don't care. You know, he's like, you're a strength coach. Like, you you know, I had, I had crossed over to hitting. So I was working with um, the Netherlands national teams when I was over there last year doing my master's degree. And so I was working with baseball and softball in the cages, like doing hitting, I knew I wanted to leave strength and conditioning. I wanted to make like a, I don't want to say a bigger impact, but um, an impact that was closer to on-field performance, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to the future, possibly getting into an administrative role. And so I wanted to, de- to get on-field coaching under my belt. Um, so I knew that. I had been mentored by him and the Astros hitting staff. And they all really believe strongly that understanding the human body foundationally, like just movement, power, like raw capabilities of the human body is very important to understanding the swing. So um, I don't want to say it's a no brainer, but it's kind of a no brainer on top of the fact that I did my research in eye tracking for hitters. So, um, and that was something that even Dylan had like mentored me in, in the first place. So um, it was kind of a no brainer for him to hire me. And also just for me, like I said, the coaching isn't that different, um, although there's some nuances of, like, um, things that I haven't thought about in 10 years since I played. So, like, what pitch is coming next? What's the defense doing? How do we approach this? What's the best way to, you know, what are we thinking up at the plate? Kind of those strategical things. But as far mm-hmm. as, like, coaching coaching the swing and actually improving, like, 
physical performance, it's very similar, I would say. I don't, I don't feel that different, even though the whole world thinks it's like a big change, I guess. Awesome. Awesome. So something you mentioned um, and that stood out to me a lot is you were in an interview. I can't remember what it was for. And you were talking about how you used uh, being discriminated against as an advantage. And have you, you know, switching from strength conditioning, which is, a, you know, it's a male dominated industry for sure, going into coaching, which I would assume is, is very similar, especially at that, the level that you are. Have you experienced similar things between the two industries or how have you like fueled for, for that? Um, now, no, but that's because it, it's because of the point that I'm at in my career, you know, so when I was first getting in, that was 2013. Um, well, excuse me, I had an internship with the St. Louis Cardinals in 2012, but I was pretty naive at that time that I was like, oh, you know, I had a, you know, internship at Athletes Performance, uh, graduate assistantship at LSU. I had all, I had interned at Arizona State. I had Spanish. I was, I had some Spanish speaking. I was pretty naive and I faced some really, really blatant discrimination. But right now, I mean, I have a, a pretty good reputation amongst my peers as far as just like mm -hmm. people that I've met working in baseball for six or seven years. And so I'm not going to say it was easy to get the job, but I knew someone that could vouch for not only my coaching abilities or my like intelligent intelligence, but my work ethic, how I talk to players, interacting with the Latin players, how, how do they view me? You know, how does that go? Cause that's a huge concern, which is silly, but it's a huge concern for people. And they're like, well, we can't hire a woman. The Latin players are so machismo and blah, blah, blah. But um, they're just like anyone else, you know, if you care about them and you show them that you are consistently bringing them good information, helping them get better, they don't care. Like that falls away pretty quickly. So I would say this time around, as far as like getting a hitting coach job, relatively speaking, was easier for sure than when I first got into the field in general. And I don't know if that's really to do with strength and conditioning coaching more, more so just, you know, I didn't have a reputation and also how fast the landscape of like society has changed with that, where shortly after I was hired full-time as a strength coach, I want to say Jen Welter was hired by the Arizona Cardinals as a football coach in their training camp. And she was with, in training camp with them for like three years. And then you've got Becky Hammonds and you've got a handful of on-court on coaches for the NBA, a handful of NFL coaches. It's not just Katie Sowers. It's a handful of them. Mm -hmm. So baseball was actually kind of late to the party as far as hiring women coaches. Um, so I think that that's, it's a product of my reputation, but also society just changing. Like this is just where we're headed and women in sport and both, both women in sport, like coaching and also women's sports are getting much more visibility. I mean, I didn't even have an Instagram when I was hired the first time around for the Cardinals. Think about that. So, and now we have female athletes who have, hundreds of thousands of followers and are getting huge sponsorships and the WNBA is making huge moves. And it's just incredible to see how fast that growth has happened in, su in such a short amount of time. And I'm fortunate to be in this time where that's happening because I'm benefiting from that. Without a doubt. I mean, you're definitely paving the way. So what are some things, so what are some things that you, you know, you probably talked to this, uh, you know, with your interns or whatnot, and if, especially the f young female coaches that want to kind of break into, you know, the strength conditioning industry, maybe they're that 22, 23 year old um, young lady. What are some, what's are some pieces of advice that you'd give them to obviously not give up, but uh, besides not giving up, what are some tidbits yeah. that you would talk about? Strategies? Well, that's, yeah, those are like some, e like, Oh, 
don't give up, you know, <laughs> or be, like work hard. You know, those are all really relative terms that are kind of intangible. Um, and I'll give you a couple of things that just come to mind that are hopefully more tangible. And then I'll, we can get to even just like my course and the mentorship and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but two things that are just really coming to mind is I can look back now and just, it's like you mentioned it already, but being an underdog is one of the most potent advantages that you can have. And you don't really think about that in the moment. Like when I was discriminated against and I was waitressing and like picking up dirty dishes, I wasn't like, Oh, this is great. I'm an underdog. This is awesome. It's fun. No, no. But, but even in that moment, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be better for this. And I'm going to have, I have a, I have a chip on my shoulder. I have a, I have a deep purpose for this. I knew when I was getting discriminated against and I set out a season of baseball and just was having a lot of trouble. I just was like, I have to do this. It just was deep inside of me because I just thought like, you know what, how many other women have applied for these jobs and they kind of get turned down and then they just quit and they go do something else. And I knew that I could handle it. I knew I was capable. I knew I had all the background. I knew, I mean, I knew that I was like, I had the pedigree to be a good coach and I had the personality to be successful. I knew I was going to be professional. I just knew that I could do it and be very, very good with it for in many ways. And I just, then I felt a purpose and a duty. I was like, nope, I have to do this. And so I think just finding strength in, in being an underdog and if you're being told no, like that is powerful. And just think about, think about, it's just, my dad has a funny saying now, he'll be like, I'll tell him something that happened. And he's like, well, it's a chapter in the book, like add it to the book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's going to be part of the book or the fucking movie, you know, the movie mm-hmm. about all the shit that I've been through and other women have been through. And it's like, it only adds to that story. So just just appreciate being the underdog. And if you have to work harder, say thank you because it's going to benefit you in the future. Like, do not complain about that. Say thank you. It just is, I look back and it's like I did seven internships before I got a full-time job. And that's not a badge of honor, but I'm like, I look at my colleagues and, and I, have, I have a bigger breadth of experience than them, part, in part because I had to work hard in them. And I'm, I'm happy for that. So Take advantage of that. Be grateful. The second thing I would say that I did not do very well in early in my career is having empathy for, um, especially for women getting into a male dominated, dominated industry, you know, like, look, every, no one likes change. You don't like change. I don't like change. Nobody likes change. And so when you are inserted, you're a woman, you're inserted to a men's area. Like you got to be empathetic to the fact that they've never even thought about you being there. And so it's like, they've never had to like, think like, oh, what if I offend, you know, what happens if I offend her? What do, or what, is it appropriate to say this? Is it, you know, and so it takes a little time. And if there's any kind of weird interaction or even interactions that are really bad and, and there's a, um, excuse me, there's a, like, there's a fine line. You have to know, like, of course there's horrible situations that need to be reported and they they should never happen to anyone, but also like, if someone says something weird to you or something happens or whatever, like have a little empathy and go, okay, this is just a huge change for them. And you don't have to take it personally. It's just different. So I always like, I liken it to if, if you're a mom and you got three kids and, and you have there are three boys and, and a husband and you walk into the bathroom one day and the, and the toilet seats up, are do your sons hate you? Do they, are they discriminated against you? Do they want you to move out of the house? Like probably not. They just forgot because they're boys and they don't think about, you know, it's like they don't think about it. So just have a little empathy for people accepting change. Unfortunately, like 
I am the change. And so it's directed at me. Um, but I don't like change either. So I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've said things to people when I've been in different situations that I haven't adjusted to yet. We just have to have empathy about it. So having empathy, appreciating being the, uh, the underdog. And then the last bit, which I'm not sure if you wanted to get to this yet, but while we're on the topic is like, mm-hmm. I get, I, that's probably the most common question that I asked. Like what, what's the advice? And those are still kind of intangible, but what I've done is created a course called the virtual handshake Academy, probably for like younger people that are undergrad master's degree, just getting into their career. That is literally like step-by-step resume, a detailed roadmap, taking you from not knowing who to reach out to, not knowing where to find their emails, email networking. When do I follow up? How, what do I say in the follow-up email? Um, like little tactical takeaways that you can do um, to make yourself feel more confident and just have like a better process for reaching out to people, applying for jobs, finding your purpose. I mean, writing a cover, I love writing cover letters, like a passion of mine, because I think that we mess it up, right? We're like, oh, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I really want to work for your company. But your cover letter is a chance for you to do a deep dive on, wait, why do I want to do this? Like, why is this my duty on the planet? And how do I communicate that to a future employer That's what sets me apart. You know, I got in a car accident when I was young. I had back problems. I watched my mom have MS and and her body deteriorate. And I want to help people. Like these, I just got chills. I just made that up and I got chills. Like these powerful stories of why we feel called to work these long hours and, and strive for more. These powerful stories can be communicated to future employers to set you apart. And I don't, I think people don't understand that. So the Virtual Handshake Academy, that is a course that you can you can look, you can find it easily through all my social media. Um, but then also just starting a one-on-one mentorship because I get so literally I've been asked that question, I don't know, on podcasts hundreds of times, maybe mm-hmm. a thousand or more times now in my career. And I think people are wondering the same thing. Like, how do I manage these situations that come up where you feel alone? You know, I felt so lonely in my career sometimes because I just didn't have anyone to ask you know, I didn't have, is this normal? Is this okay that he said this to me? And it, it's not okay. And I feel like shit, but I don't know how to handle it. What's the deal? How do I, how, what's the next move in my career? You know, I'm bored. I'm, I'm stuck in my career. How do I do it? Like, I've had so many questions. I felt so lonely. I've, I've been broke. I've moved across the world. I've moved, I've moved 15 times in 12 years. And I just That's crazy. get so many same questions that I just decided to create a one-on-one mentorship. And so applications are actually open right now from May 10th to May 17th. Um, and we'll, I'll be starting those June 1st. So awesome. Awesome. Let's go back to that virtual. No, that's, yeah. that's great. Let's go back to that, the virtual uh, handshake Academy. Um, if someone wants to be a part of this, how, I mean, what's the process like? What, what are, you know, you talked a lot about the, the benefits and advantages of being in the group. Uh, take us a little bit more through that process. Um, when someone, you know, obviously contacts you, wants to be a part of it what happens after that you're talking about the the virtual handshake academy is just an online course that you can enroll mm-hmm. in today and you don't have to apply or anything like that so the okay. is that what you're asking yeah the, yeah. the one-on-one we'll- mentorship yeah so basically that's going to be um applications are going on right now it's a really pretty simple application where i ask for a resume and cover letter just so i get a bit of a background and really the candidate i'm looking for is like i've already turned down a couple of people that have reached out where one girl was like a freshman in college and i'm like i don't think you're going to really get max like you're not going to be maximized by this you should do the virtual handshake academy that's more for you um but i'm really just looking for someone who's kind of in a midpoint you know that wants to get to the next level who 
it, or or who is like needing someone. I mean, Jared, when you and I sat down, I don't even know what year that was. Yeah, I want to say so for the listeners and viewers. <laughs> it was I want to say 2011 or 2012. It had to have been. I mean, I did the athletes performance internship in 2013, so it was definitely yeah. obviously before that. So I met I met up with Rachel, and I think we had kinesiology or exphys two or something together in undergrad. And I just kind of been following her journey uh, through. Yeah, I mean, you went to LSU, correct, for yeah. grad school, followed your career, and I remember reaching out to you, and you were like super helpful, and you said, "Hey, just meet me in the sub, which is the uh, student union yeah. building." And yeah. I was like, all right, cool. You know, so I did that at the time I was, you know, doing my internship with Coach Paulson and, and yeah. you know, the UNM strength crew. And it was awesome just to talk with you and connect with you. And she gave me a lot of great advice. She sent me to, she said that athletes performance was a great way to, you know, kind of get your feet wet and get your hands dirty and, you know, get out of, you know, the environment that I was currently at and just, just yeah. to, to broaden my, you know, broaden my that- skills. I always I've said now that one of my greatest skills is getting people to quit their job and move across the country or the world. (laughs) And so like you're you're one of the first people. But I think it's like you need someone to look at you and go, wait, you have more in you. Mm -hmm. Like you're you know, and my mentor did that for me. Chris Frankel, he's with uh, TRX now, like he was a professor at UNM. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Yeah. And I and I was looking at internships in my undergrad and I was like, well, what's the best thing I can do? And I, I was literally thinking in Albuquerque you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, you need to go to athletes performance, which is across the country. It's totally unpaid. I Did you do the a- Pensacola? Were you in Pensacola or? Yeah. So we're both I, in Pensacola. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I lived in the intern house with literally, right. I think nine people were in a four bedroom house. I stayed in a room with a girl. This is a great story. Stayed in a room with a girl that I literally, we in like little twin beds that we didn't even fit in could reach out and like touch each other across the room. It was tiny. But she ended up being like, she's still a good friend of mine. And she actually recommended me to LSU. She was a javelin thrower at LSU. And I just think that if I hadn't gotten out, I was, I'm not sure I might have done a local internship. With, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you can find really great, especially if you're in a metro, uh, metropolitan area. There could mm-hmm. be a really great facility there. But you have to get out and you need somebody. This is the whole point of the mentorship is like, I look at someone and I don't see their, like, their little... Uh, uh, abilities in this box. I'm like, okay, you should move to New Zealand and coach snowboard snowboarders in Queenstown. And they're like, what? Where's New Zealand? Like, I, I think that my <laughs> my gift is just to look at someone and go, no, that's not it for you. You have more. You have to look inside of yourself. You have to really dig deep and go, what the fuck do I want to do with my life? What's my purpose here on earth? And just go for it and take risks. I mean, I've taken so many risks and like. I mean, my parents, anymore, my parents support me. But at first, my parents were like, are you sure you want to be in professional baseball? Like, it seems like they're not going to hire you. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this. I was getting mm-hmm. all kinds of people reaching out for college jobs that I was getting discriminated against. And I just said, no. I was like, nope, I'm going to do this. And here we are, what, seven years later, and I've made history twice under the age of 35. And that takes a lot of risk. But mm-hmm. sometimes that takes, I mean, for me, at times I was alone in my own head going, you can do this. You can do this. There weren't that many people, especially at the beginning that were supporting it. Um, but what's funny is now when I say, when I said I wanted to be a hitting coach, people were like, um, okay, like maybe. And now I'm like, okay, I want to be a general manager. And everyone's like, yep, you can do that. Like, it's funny how that shit turns around. Cause at first they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you can, you can't do that. You can't do that. And then once you, you do one thing, they're like, oh, okay. 
you do another thing, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, you can take over the world. It's funny how all your supporters come around you when, you, you know, but at first you have to be alone sometimes. However, this is the whole point of me creating the mentorship is because I'm going to look someone in the eye and be like, you need to quit your job and move across the country or across the world. That's how it is. And I've already done it. So I can tell you how scary it is. I can tell you how broke I was. I can tell you when I lived on, I stacked up three mattresses in Amsterdam that I pulled off of a curb that people threw away. I stacked three mattresses up and lived on them for a year. Oh my goodness. Like at the age of 31, by the way, after I had already worked in professional sports for six years, but I took a risk. I put all of my money into going back to school, moving to Europe, doing all of that. And I just like, I've been there, you know, so I want to create this mentorship to help people maximize who they are and really get to the next, the next level, whatever that means for them. You know, it's obviously, it's obviously much more than career. It's a lot of, it's going to be a lot of personal digging and understanding your deepest desires in life and being honest about that. No, without a doubt, you have a skill at that. And this is what's funny about, you know, talking to you about it and you, you know, the UNAM program pretty well. I would, you know, I love my experience with them, but when you told me, yeah, you know, try uh, athletes performance and, you know, moving across the country, this is what's really funny is my roommate who I stayed with and at athletes performance, he is actually from Atlanta and he ended up becoming one of my best friends, uh, Dominican uh. guy. So he's the one that got me into bachata, all of that. And he's uh. a big reason why, I mean, he's probably the biggest reason why I moved to Atlanta. So oh, great. That's, it, that's so funny. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, he's one of the biggest. Wait. Wait, what room was, I wonder if it was the same house. Like, was there, what, was I think it, it was. So <laughs> when you, it's why, when you walk in down the hallway to the left and the, the, the furthest bedroom to the left. Oh, I think mine was the, I'm like, oh, that, that room must be magic. The house must be magic. You know, you yeah. just meet people. <laughs> yeah, but it's crazy. I mean, that's exactly like what you said. And that's why experiences like, you know, the internships that you and I have both done, how, how just important those are. And so yeah. a lot of people, when they ask me like, you know, what degree field should I be in or what, you know, whatever it is, it's like the experience. And I think you posted about it recently on, on Instagram um, about you shouldn't have a, you know, MS behind your name with just one internship. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, just, just critical. Yeah. Just what, like why, you know, again, I was, I had to do a few more internships Mm-hmm. But but because I did so many, I'm so glad. I'm so right. glad I did all of those. And I, I did, not all of those were because of I was discriminated against. I did choose mm-hmm. to do more than the average bear, I think. And I think that's positive. You shouldn't just go, oh, I want to do three months internship and then expect to get a full-time job. Because whatever full-time job you get ain't going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. You're, like the best company in the world isn't hiring someone after they've done three, month of, three months of on-the-job training. That's not how it goes. You can get a low-level job. Or a, or a not desirable job. But if you, people are like, how did you get into professional baseball? I'm like, well, it's hard, you know, right. especially as a woman, it's hard. So you got to expect to do more and enjoy it because you'll be, you'll be better off for it in, in, in your career, but also just the richness of moving across the country and meeting new people and being exposed to a different culture. I mean, you can't replace those things. I'm talking to someone who's married to a, a foreigner too. So I, I know, you know, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't replace that. Uh, for sure. Uh, so even so with the mentorship, what are some things that you would tell somebody on, you know, how to look for a mentor? What are some characteristics that you would tell them? What would you tell them essentially? You earn mentorship. And so if you want a mentor, like if you think you want to work with someone, um, I mean, for example, like how did I get like, you know, 
I'm trying to think of a good example here, but I mean, even Chris, like, so Chris Frankel was my first ever mentor. He's still my mentor. Um, and now even like, I would consider Kelly Sturette, one of my mentors, like the way that you get mentors is you work, you work for them. You do, you know, I, I actually like in Chris's class, the way that I even got him to, to take me on as a mentee and teach me how to do training and all this stuff. Uh, was that I kicked ass in his class and I sat in the front row and I was asking questions. I think I got a hundred percent in his class. And then he invited me over the summer. He was like, you should, I'll, I'll help you learn how to train. This was before I had trained anyone. This is like my sophomore year of college. That was my true first internship. Really. It was like mm-hmm. Chris Frankel was teaching me how to train in the park across from the street. And he was teaching me athletes performance principles when that wasn't a thing like functional training and movement patterns. No one was talking about that. He was talking about barefoot running. This was 12 years ago. So I was like, he invited me out and then I just crushed. Like I was just working like an animal. I actually ended up living with him and his family. Like I, I didn't even get paid. I, I it was for free. I, I did everything that summer and beyond for free for him. And that's how you get, you, you work, you take their advice and you put it into action. And that's how you get a mentor. It's not like you email someone you're like, can you mentor me? You know? And, and also like, not many people run mentorship programs like I'm running, you know, so it's, it's not like you just email someone and go, can I, can you mentor me? No, you, you should, if you want to get a mentor, you should, for example, like, I don't know what all you offer online, Jared, but like, if somebody wanted to get you as a mentor, I would suggest that they literally read like every single post that you've ever put up. Mm-hmm. They do all, they do all of your courses and then they email you and go, Hey, Jared, I've invested my time, my money, my thought processes. I know all of your stuff. I I've really dove into what you do and I'd like to just talk to you for 30 minutes and then see how that conversation goes for you. Like you're going to get a response. You're going to get a good conversation. But when someone gets on the phone with me and they're like, so, uh, where did you do your, uh, college degree? And I'm like, Google. Come on. Yeah. Google. Come on. Yeah, like you gotta Google. There's so much information on me online. Like you could listen to ten podcasts in the next day if you wanted to. And so, even just that goes a long way. When you reach out to someone, you have to do a lot of work sometimes. Like sometimes and add value. Me. Yeah, yeah, add value. Go, go. I've done all of your courses, and I, you know, I think there's something missing that I would really like to see. Or have you ever thought about this? Like, have you ever thought about adding this? Because I would really like this from you, and you don't have it. So I'm just curious. And like, and you might go. I've been thinking about that. I want your feedback. This happens to me all the time with my like virtual handshake Academy and these things that I'm doing, people reach out and they go, Hey, you know, I did this and I did your course and I'd really like to learn about negotiating a contract, but it's not in there. And I'm like, God, I've been thinking about adding that. I really want your feedback. What would you want to hear about that? But they've invested, they spent $130, which I know not every intern out there has, but like, if you go into the bar a couple times a month, you got $130. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. So invest your time. Sometimes you got to invest your money. God, I can't tell you how many plane tickets I bought to see people, to meet people in person. It's thousands and thousands of dollars and it's all paid off. All of it. I mean, even the, the athletes performance, I mean, we're there for six months. I mean, you got to pay for your own food, your gas, everything, how to get there to get back home. So a lot of people, especially the young, younger crowd, they don't, they don't realize all those things. So it's good that, you know, people like yourself are talking about your story and, and how they can add value to, to mentors for sure. People um, talking about they don't have time. Last little tidbit about that is like people don't realize like when I was 
I was 22, re- ready to go to LSU. But when I got done with athletes performance, LSU asked me to wait an entire year. That was another, it's funny how things matter when you're young like that. People are like, you're going to wait a year to do your master's degree. And I'm like, it's LSU. Of course I'm going to wait a year. Mm-hmm. But what I did during that year is I worked at, I worked at St. Clair's Bistro in Albuquerque. <laughs> I worked at, I, I didn't know that. At, That's uh, cool. Yep. I worked at, uh, I forget the personal train, the gym. I did personal training. I worked as a waitress. And every other weekend, I stayed with an elderly couple in Four Hills, and I changed their diapers, literally. I'm a 22-year-old. My friends, wow. are out at the, my friends are out at the bar, and I stayed the weekend with this elderly couple overnight, and I would, like, literally take them to the bathroom, cook them meals. Like, I just saved money for a year. And people, people are like, I don't have time or I don't have money. And I'm like, I just don't get it. Can't empathize with that. I, I got to put that last part on an audiogram. That's just that's just perfect. That's seriously perfect. Thank you so much, dude. I appreciate your time today. How can how can people contact you? Um, what's the best way for people to contact you about your virtual handshake academy and your mentorship? Um, I always just say if you can spell Volkovic, you can find me anywhere. But I I mostly am on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. What kind of what, where is that last name from? By the way, Slo- Slovenian. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, it's actually pronounced Balkovitz, just to be clear. But yeah, so if you can okay. spell that, you can find me anywhere. But I'm on Instagram. Um, and if you go to my Instagram, I have the Virtual Handshake Academy Instagram in there. And you can just click. It'll take you right to a link to enroll and find out all, about all the information. My one-on-one mentorship is going on. Applications are open through this Sunday, I think. Um, and you can find that on my website under the mentorship tab. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm accessible. I'm there. I'm around. You can Absolutely. find me. Absolutely. Rachel, thank you so much for your time, dude. I appreciate it. You've been awesome. And for everyone listening, definitely check out those links. I will put them in the show notes for the the podcast as well so that you'll have them. Rachel, thank thank you you so much. I'll be in touch with you for sure. Yeah, hell yeah. Have a good one. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye.